Blog Talk Radio.
gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason. That song was written and produced and sung by my guest tonight, John McDonough. It's called You Don't Know This. John McDonough is a singer-songwriter from Austin, Texas, whose shows have spanned five decades of hits combined with unique originals. His acoustic guitar work, passionate vocals, and personal lyrics result in a modern singer-songwriter sound which is rarely heard. Reminds me of the old folk music back in the 60s. Yes, I'm dating myself. John has spent the last 25 years playing in and around Austin while co-producing and self-releasing eight CDs of original music. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you think that you can't become an indie artist and do your own thing... John's going to tell you how he did it. He has played to the rowdy crowds of 6th Street, the dinner crowds of Austin restaurants, and everything in between. Nine years ago, he decided to retire from practicing psychotherapy. No, ladies and gentlemen, he's not going to psychoanalyze me. Many have tried. All have failed. And focus solely on his music. And that time, he has written and recorded five new CDs, played over 500 gigs, performed in 11 major music festivals, several times appeared and performed on local and national radio, and embarked on successful tours through the United States. His previous three releases, Dreams and Imagination, Surrounding Colors, and Can You See Me Now, all received great reviews and airplay all over Europe and the United States. And funny that we should say that, because we are heard in 33 countries, two of those being Europe and the United States and Australia. All three releases spent six consecutive months on the American Music Association record chart, as well as landing on other American radio charts. He has drawn comparisons to Elton John and Harry Chaplin for his vocal style and abilities, while his emotional storytelling has been compared to the songwriting styles of James Blunt and Damien Rice. However, 2020, the year that we call the year of insanity and in some cases stupidity and in some cases both, brought some expected changes for my guest tonight, John McDonough. Welcome, John. So glad you could join me. Thank you for spending an hour with me. Thank you. My pleasure. I've been looking pleasure to be here. And and yes, ladies and gentlemen, I already had him rolling around in the floor laughing at my antics before we ever went live. So the show went completely south before we ever, ever went live. Did it not? That is very true. Ten minutes, ten minutes before showtime, and we were so far off topic, I can't even begin to explain. <laughs> so and that's, fasten your that's, seatbelts, everyone, because we don't know where this is going to go. <laughs> and, and that's why we call it off the chain. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so that song, I had another song of yours picked for the opening the show tonight. Then tonight when I was going back and, and looking at it, your your stuff, I saw this song and the backstory, and then I listened to this song, and it resonated so well with me that I said, okay, I gotta I gotta get this one, and then I want John to tell the backstory. Tell me about this song. Sure. Well, first of all, I really appreciate it. It means a lot that it uh, it affected you, and it seems like uh, it it has that effect on lots of people. So uh, I really appreciate that. But um, to tell you the backstory, so 
I have a, a little sister who I'm very close with, and I always say that she was born to be a mom. And um, so she was getting older. This is about 11 years ago. And uh, she was getting older. She was single, and she was like, I want to have a baby. So she decided to have a baby with artificial insemination. And this was around – so she got pregnant, and then when it was time for her to have the baby, I was working as a psychotherapist at the time, and I was uh, going through a hard time. I was very depressed. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't really think I wanted to do psychotherapy anymore, and uh, I had a relationship that just sort of burned out. My father was very sick. It was just sort of a bad time, and I said to myself, I'm going to go – take six months off of psychotherapy and go up and uh, to Illinois, be with my sister and help her with the baby. And that's what I did. And it was great. And six months came and went and I still didn't really want to um, go back (laughs) to psychotherapy. (laughs) So six months turned into a year and I became so attached to this girl and, um, and it, it was just a, it was a wonderful experience. It sort of it, it saved me. I always say she saved me because for that year I was able to focus on her and just have a good time with her and not worry so much about where my life was at. Um, like I said, my dad was very sick in and out of the hospital, so she just came at a time when she was this bright light for all of us. And uh, and so that's where the song came from. And it's unbelievable how time goes so fast because. She's about to turn 11, and uh, but when I wrote this song for her, she was about six months old. And and time does go by in a blink of an eye because I have friends who who have little ones, and I've seen these little ones grow up. Even my own grandchildren, they were just born yesterday, and t- tomorrow they're in college. And I told them, I said, you need to hold on to those moments because you're going to turn around and they're going to be leaving home, and you're going to go, but you're still my baby. And they go, no, Mom, I'm 21. It's time to go. It's it's so true. It is so true. And, I, you know, and I've heard all those things before and never really thought much about it until this niece came along. And now I'm just like, oh, my gosh, she's almost 11. And it's, yes, and it's going to be, we joke. It's like she's going to be off to college before we know it. And, um, and then I tell her I'm going to follow her to college, so I hope she likes where she's not. So she needs to approve where she goes with me because I'm going to follow her there. And then of course she rolls her eyes and groans. And, you know. <laughs> and of course you're going to be you're going to be behind her or beside her or sitting on the front porch with a shotgun, making sure that any bow that shows up is worthy of her. You got that right. You got that right. My sister, her her mother tells her she's not allowed to date till she's thirty five. So <laughs> Yeah, that ought to go over real well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I realize this is gonna be a battle, but that's where we stand right now. <laughs> be prepared, my friend. Just be prepared. And there's an old adage and I know you are the uncle, but you are the father figure in this child's life, so be prepared to pay for your raising. <laughs> yes, yes. The curse I, I, word. That's a good point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So and before so just it... to, to, I was just going to say, so to complete this story, so I, after a year of being with them here in Illinois, I sort of had lost my life in Austin. 
And um, so then I, I went back to Austin, and I made a commitment that once a month I would fly up to Illinois to spend time with them. And that went on for several years. And, um, and then, like you said, with all the craziness of this year and other things, about a year ago I ended up moving up to Illinois to be with them. And uh, so another big change. But it's been great. I've been having a lot of fun with them. And um, it's just been very nice to be able to see them and see her on a daily basis. And uh, so, and I always tell her, I'm like, Matilda, this is, you're killing me. Because I vowed I would never live in the Midwest again. But I'm like, it's because of you, I'm back here. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so the, old adage, never, the old adage, never say never. Never say never. That's right. And boy, this, this was a big one. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, friends and family were as stunned as I was. They were like, you're thinking about doing what? I've been in Austin for 25 years. And they were like, you're thinking of doing what? And I said, I know, I can't believe it either, but I think I'm going to do it. And luckily, like I said, it's been almost a year I've been up here and, uh, and it's been, it's been really good. So no complaints. Oh, bless you, my child. Ladies and gentlemen, before the show, we were discussing Chicago in particular, and I I asked him, I said, what's a good southern boy like you doing up in Chicago of all places? I'm crime central, and he needs a bodyguard, so we're seriously considering that occasionally I will go up and be his bodyguard. Yeah, I can do that. (laughs) Yes, I would love that, and I do need that. So that would be wonderful. We, <laughs> I we feel can make that happen. The city with a with a with a locked and loaded bodyguard. Yes. Well, see, I don't even carry anymore because I I know how to defend myself without carrying, and that's what people don't understand. I may be small in stature, but I am mighty in action. <laughs> well, hey, as long as you can defend me, then good, we're good to go. Consider it done, my friend. Consider it done. All right. Great. Now, when you were in psychotherapy, not psychotherapy, you were a psychotherapist for many, many, many years. And would it be fair to say that in any medical profession, whether it's an MD that goes into, you know, has their own practice or goes into hospitals or nurses or anesthesiologists, Anybody in the medical field, would it not be fair to say that after a time, and especially during this time of insanity and stupid, that they work so hard and give so much of themselves that many times they get burnt out because there's nothing left to give? That's definitely true. That is definitely true. Um, All those, you know, all those fields are tough and you are giving and lots of times it's um, you know, the, the appreciation isn't there in return. And, uh, you know, bless the people that have it in their heart that do these professions and do them for their whole life, and, and they never lose their passion for it. I mean, I have so much respect for that. Um, I, I hit a point where I did not want to do it anymore, and, um, you know, and I'm happy, I, I'm happy that I chose to leave it because I don't think, especially with therapy, if, if, if your heart isn't 100% in it, you shouldn't be a therapist. Um, but, yes, I agree with that. It's not easy, and I don't think, um, you know, it's sort, of, it's sort of general in our country, but teachers and therapists and nurses and, you know, I don't think those professions are, um, 
valued as much as they should be, which contributes to the burnout. No, no, they are not valued, and that is, is really, really sad because without teachers, we would have no one in the medical field, and without people in the medical field, as aggravated as I get with them sometimes because I've fought with them for years, we wouldn't have people being diagnosed and 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 getting well and in cases sometimes dying but then we're all going to die it's just the nature of the beast it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and how but it it becomes a domino effect and if you can't appreciate one there, there's no way you're going to appreciate the other yeah yeah that's a good point yeah so when you said, okay, Austin, I'm done with you and your friends and family going, what them fell off and knocked you in the head? You're leaving Texas for this, and you're you're stopping your practice for this. Did they want you to get psychotherapy? <laughs> they... They, on one hand, yes, and on one hand, luckily, I have a very loving family, and they were very happy I was coming back to be with them. So, uh, which thank, thankfully, boy, can you imagine if they were like, no, John, we want you to stay in Texas 1,200 miles away. <laughs> so then I would have really needed therapy. But luckily, they were very supportive. I will say, because um, the main, like, one of the things they were worried about was, um, you know, I, I normally don't like winters. I don't handle cold weather that well. So that was a big concern. They were like, um, you know, they were like, are you sure you know what you're doing? Because, you know, you winters are bad here. And um, and I, I said, I admit I'm a little nervous about it, but I feel like, you know, it, I just really, yeah, I feel like I really want to do this and I feel like I'm ready to do it. And um, and I made it through one winter, no problem, and keeping my fingers crossed for this winter. <laughs> But but also um, also I have I have a plan to get out of the winters a little bit. I uh, bought a little RV a few years ago, and I like to travel around and play music. And so I have I have a plan to get out of this uh, state during the winters for a month here and a month there. And um, I think that'll make it also much more easier to deal with. And you do know that winter starts. Uh, the end of this month, first of next month, right? That's yes, I know. <laughs> That's crazy. But yes, I'm very well aware of that. <laughs> okay, just making sure you you got the timeline straight, so you're not up there and up to your eyeballs in snow, going, "What the heck happened? I woke up and it was 70 degrees, and now it's 10 below and there's 12 feet of snow on the ground. There's no way I'm getting an RV out of here." <laughs> That's yes, that's true, and I've thought of that too. So I have to really plan ahead. But you know, I, now I know you just moved to Florida, and I don't know how old you are. But another thing I'm dealing with, and I don't know if this is normal, but for a long time, like in Texas, the heat didn't bother me. I loved the heat actually, but I will admit, the last few summers in Texas, the heat was really giving me a hard time. So that was also part of it. I'm not, I'm not saying I love you know 10 degree weather and snow and ice, but I. I enjoyed this summer up here a lot better than I have enjoyed my last few summers in Texas. So I don't know if my body's changing or, or what's going on there, but um, that was another factor too. I was like, you know, the, the summers are getting to be pretty brutal for me. 
I, I think. So does can, that ha- is that happening I, I, to you? Well, no, actually, I am seventy, though I don't act like it. My body thinks. My body says I'm twenty, and my mind says you're an idiot. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't I get handle. That too. I don't handle the cold and the cold rain and um, the in Georgia when it gets winter. And then it rains on top of the winter. The rain is just so brutal. And because I do have arthritis in every bone in my body that I try to ignore, I knew that I was going to have to come to a warmer climate. I can always get cool Mm. in my house, but I can't get warm once I get cold. So I don't Mm. see me going back to Georgia. I may have to one day, but they will have to probably drag me kicking and screaming with Thorazine and Prozac and all that other calming medications because I, I cannot function and go with it. I, I, I get a little bit um, angry. Okay. <laughs> so, so note to self, when I invite you up to Chicago, make sure it's summer. That's what you're telling yes, me. Yes, dead summer, okay. but outside of Chicago. Not going to the city. No, no, no. We, we, okay. we, well, I'll have to bring my three-foot billy stick if we go to the city. Yeah, I can All right. do that. All right, yeah. That's not okay. a problem. Yeah, we, Deal. We. Good. Okay. I noticed in my in my research of you, as this is what I do, that you are a history buff. And I said that, and I went, ooh, right up my alley. What history, I am. I am. what part of history is your favorite and like me you watch a lot of history documentaries and learn from it and I don't get enough of history especially the early civilizations of Egypt and Rome and Greece and Babylon and and all of those areas over there in the Middle East which was the cradle of civilization mm-hmm. that's right well yes you're right like I'm always reading books usually um you know um fiction books and um and uh, um, I'm always watching documentaries, and um, and uh, I just I'd say I the most of my focus on history has been I would say on Europe, you know, 1800s to uh, now, and a lot of focus on the World Wars, World War One and World War Two. I, I love what you're talking about, the days of Rome and Greece and things like that. I feel like I need to study that a little bit more. But um, it, And it changes, though, because like now I'm, I'm in a phase where I'm really learning and studying about the civil rights movement, which is obviously recent. Um, but I just realized there's uh, – you know, I lived in Alabama when I was a kid, which was, and it was not long after Martin Luther King was shot and um, – you know, lately it's just really struck me that I was there not long after the heart of the civil rights movement. So now I'm sort of going back and really digging into that and learning about um, just every all the, the main players and what happened and when it happened and all that good stuff. And uh, speaking of getting out of the winters, I, I'm thinking I might want to go to Alabama for a month this winter and um, spend some time. Because that's my other passion is when I really get into something and I learn about it, I love to go there and uh, see where the things happened and, and feel that place. And so uh, my new goal is to spend about a month in Alabama 
and uh, where the heart of the civil rights movement happened and really um, experience that. You do know it gets 20 degrees or below in Alabama, too, in the winter. It can. It can. <laughs> yeah, yes, it but can. it should also be 50 and sunny and nice. So and, we'll, and it, we'll all, and it also depends on where you are. If you're in the northeast corner of Alabama, you're down in that valley between the mountains. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it gets a little chilly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We'll, we'll hope for the best. We'll hope for the best. Yes. You you have been doing the singing songwriting for over five decades, and you spent the last twenty five years playing in and around Austin. And at the beginning of the show, I explained to people that you released eight CDs of original music. And you co-produced and you self-released them. And see, this is this is why we do this show is because I am a I am an indie author. I am also an indie artist, and I'm a professional photographer. But I promote people who have broken out of that box that the world tries to put us in. And and steps out and says, "Look, I've got something that's worth listening to, worth reading, worth seeing." And I want others to know how you did that, because people say, "Well, I've got a dream, but," and and to me, right. that's not a dream. That's that's a a feather in the wind. Right, right, or a fantasy. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show, and thank you for promoting me because um, I really appreciate it. And um, you know, this is I this is going to sound so cliche, so I apologize up front, but. You know, how you do it is perseverance. You know, you just you just don't stop. You, and I uh, I always tell this story. So it was a few years ago, and I have a good friend who also recently left Austin, but we've been friends for a long time. He's also a musician. And we were talking one day, and I was saying, I was saying how I can start to feel very overwhelmed because there's so much to do in music. Like I was saying, you know, should I focus on performing live? Should I focus on making music videos? Should I focus on recording? Should I, you know, I just, there's so many different areas and I didn't know like where to put my attention. And he said, you have to do it all and you have to do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And that just stuck with me so much because it's true. It's you have to do it all and you have to do it all the time. And and then the last part of that is you just, and you have to just you just don't stop you know <laughs> and and uh, you know at at some point you're going to break out uh, you know whether you break out and become huge or break out and get a little successful but you're going to break out at some level at some point if you just don't stop and uh, and so that's sort of that's my advice you know you just and you have to just I always tell people you have to work on your craft. You know, yes. um, and just never stop working on your craft because it's so competitive. And I mean, all all fields are whether I, whether it's musician, artist, you know, um, business owner, whatever you're doing, it's it's incredibly competitive. And so you have to be um, at the top of your game at the best of your ability. And I always tell people, for example, if they're a musician, I say you have to, you know, become the best singer you can be, become the best songwriter you can be, get better on your instrument. 
um, get better at performing live and engaging with the audience. You know, you just have to work on every element of your craft. Um, you can't afford to have really any weaknesses. And would it also be fair to say, and I've been in this business for since the 1970s, would it be fair to say that you have to understand coming in two things? One, you got to get a thick skin because there are going to be people that will criticize you and the world is full of haters and they're full of haters because those haters are so insecure they don't want to make their dream come true. And you have to learn how to think without a box. You can't say, well, so-and-so is successful because so-and-so is doing that this way. Well, it might be the way so-and-so needs to do it, but not the way you need to do it. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's I think it's incredibly important to learn from successful people, but then it's also incredibly important to take a step back and be like, okay, what can what can work for me out of what I've learned and what won't work for me out of what I've learned and how can I combine what I've learned from several people into what will work for me. Um and also, and your first point was most important, I think, yes, a thick skin. And I'll admit, when I started playing music in my early 20s, and, and what I mean by that is when I started performing professionally, I did not have a thick enough skin. And if I would have a bad night where the audience was, you know, uh, not paying attention or not appreciative or whatever, it would really uh, hurt me. And several times I would, you know, I would sort of take a step back from music and be like, ah, oh, this is not what I want it to be. And, and of course I had other things going on, like, you know, my therapy, I had other you know things happening. So, but, uh, I regret that now. I regret taking those steps away. Um, cause I lost, I lost some valuable time. And luckily as I've gotten older, I've gotten better with it. And now, um, you know, now if I have a hard night, well, I've gotten better also to engage in the audience. So I have less hard nights than I used to, but I still have them. But luckily, I don't take it personally. It doesn't, you know, affect me that much. Um, I just learn from it, and I think it's good practice. And you know, I do something better and different, and hopefully better the next time. Well, what what I do when when people start throwing darts. We have a saying in, in the South, and as a child, you might have heard it from, from some of the old Southerners. When someone is being just obnoxiously stupid, I just look at them and say, well, bless your heart. And that can be an insult or, or an empathy just depending on the situation. And then most times when I say, well, bless your heart, it's you're so stupid, bless your heart, you can't get out of your own way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And they go, okay. And in fact, um, I, I, my daughter said it to to somebody here a while back who was from north of the Mason-Dixon line, and they said, "Well, thank you." And she said, "No, it wasn't a compliment." Right. <laughs> Let me clarify for you what I meant when I said "bless your heart." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, it's mercy. true. It's true. It's true. It is very so, um, true. So yes. So I would say, um, you know, again, I mean, there's there's so many elements of it, but that was a great point what you brought up. Work on getting a thick skin on top of working on your craft, because 
the thick skin will carry you through <laughs> many, many. Many, um, many. And, and you have to be true to yourself because any time you stop being true to yourself, that's when things start going south real mm-hmm. quick. Because then yeah. you're trying to be like everybody else, and, you're, and, and we're all unique in our own little way. Right, right. And you have to do, you have to, you know, I I can handle criticism when I know that I'm happy with the product I put out and it's the best that I can do and it's what I want it to do. When I would get frustrated with criticism is when I would do something that I sort of didn't really want to do in the first place and I was trying to, uh, you know, be like so-and-so or answer to so-and-so. And then then I get criticized and I get doubly frustrated because I'm like, this isn't even what I really wanted to do. So you're right. Be true to yourself and get a thick skin all at the same time. And say bless your heart a lot. And say bless <laughs> <laughs> Or some other things that aren't so nice. But, yes. Well, yeah, but see, way, I'm, from the, I'm from the South, and a good Southern lady, a classy Southern lady does not use such language. So we just say yeah, bless your heart. Correct. That's right. That's right. You're you're at a disadvantage there. Yes, because you're right. A true southern lady. But I but I can. I mean, I can I can flip that switch when I'm provoked. It takes a lot to provoke me. But see, most people are used to that kind of language. So when you say "bless your heart," it totally confuses them and throws them off balance, and they just walk away scratching their head because they've lost the argument. I was going to say that that's even more disarming because they're not <laughs> expecting something nice. Exactly. You're right. You're right. I'm going to play another song. And, again, this is another another song that has a backstory. And when we come back, I want to talk about this story because it the backstory has to do with one of the people that um, influenced you that you listen to a lot. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is off the chain with my ghost, uh, my ghost, my guest, music artist John McDonough. I'm Yvonne Mason, and we are going to play his song, The Place Where I Belong, and then we're going to talk about it. We'll be right back. my chest, throw my head back, I see the mountains touching the sky, she looks at me with her golden hair, and the voices sing out, take me home in the red rock, hold us tight. It's crumbling. I 
brothers shipping off the war. I'll sing for you about the peace I feel when I'm lying with my lady friends all around and we're cheering for the stars. This is the place where I belong. It's a feeling I've never known. Yes, it speak to me in the breeze. And one day when I'm gone, my words will be written in stone. And I do anything to fly like the eagle above me. I give anything to feel that free. I'd do anything to get a little closer to the sun and be as alive as I can be. I'd do anything to get a little closer to the sun and be as alive as I can be. This is the place where I belong. It's a feeling I've never known The aspen speak to me in the breeze And one day when I'm gone My words will be written in stone And we are back That was John McDonough, The Place Where I Belong. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, music artist, John McDonough. John, tell us who that song is dedicated and attributed to, because that song has a, a folk feel to it that takes me back to the late 60s, early 70s. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um so that song is actually about John Denver, and uh, I can tell the, how this, that sort of came about. Um, when I was a kid, uh, six to ten years old, we lived in outside of Denver, Colorado. And this was in the early 70s when John Denver was at his height. He was huge. And uh, I, just, you know, I just have such fond memories. We would go to the mountains all the time. We'd go skiing every weekend. Um, and, you know, we'd go to different mountain towns in the summer and explore. And John Denver was always playing in the background, whether it was in our car or in shops or wherever we were. And so I've always liked him. And um, a few years ago, I took a trip back to Aspen with my sister and my niece. And that was the first time I'd been in Aspen in a long, long time. And since I'd been back, they, they built the John Denver Sanctuary, right in the heart of Aspen. And it's beautiful. It's flowers, and it's, it's right, on, right by the river, so there's waters flowing. And, you know, the mountains are beautiful, and the sanctuary is beautiful. And they have these huge boulders, like six feet tall, five feet wide boulders. And uh, they have his lyrics etched into the rock. And I wow. just found it so moving and so peaceful and um, and, and so I came home from that trip and, and this is a true story. So it's like two days after I got home from that trip and I'm flipping the station 
And all of a sudden I land on this documentary about John Denver. And so I start watching that and I learned some new things that I didn't even know. And all that combined me to write that song. So I just sort of, uh, I just felt very moved by his spirit. And I also sort of just wanted to write something to, uh, to his credit, like the way he lived. I do think he lived life to the fullest. Um, he seemed to embrace everything, you know, he embraced nature. He embraced love. He embraced sharing his music. And I just, uh, I felt like, um, uh, I, I just really respect that about him. And I sort of wanted to capture that in a song. So well, that's you where did. that song came from. You captured well, that Thank very, you. very well because when I was listening to that song the first time, the it it was like two songs playing in my head, and the other one was his song about Mountain Home, and I'm going I I can't deal with with John Denver and one part of my brain and John McDonough and the other part one of you's got to be quiet <laughs> one of you has to go <laughs> and it didn't happen I said I quit <laughs> I just well can't. I hope we merged into a into a positive experience for you well it was once it once once the ringing started <laughs> It just when when it you know it's just one of those songs that when that song played the other one just popped right in there and they were just like a a rendition of a melody that was intertwining and weaving itself in my brain and I'm going stop please you're driving me crazy (laughs) and the voices are in my head saying watch this hold my beer and watch this I'm going oh dear. Well, I'm glad you like the song, and I'm glad that it it did it uh, that it had that effect on you. You know that it sort of uh, reminded you of John Denver a little bit and brought that home for you. It did. Now I also read something else about you because when I was when I was doing the research on this song and the other songs, and in another interview you did, you said you absolutely hate being in the studio. Now to me. The studio is where one is most creative because that's where you put the lyrics to the music and you put the melody and you put the undertones and you do the the fading in and fading out and and you make it all pretty. But you hate doing yeah. that. You would rather be in front of people going, "Oops, I made a mistake, but we're moving on." <laughs> Well, I have I have a love hate relationship with the studio, and I'll, so it, it is hard for me because and you are probably like this with your own art. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm very critical of myself. I am. And when you're in the studio, the mistakes just seem to get amplified. You know, you just hear everything so clearly, and uh, you're being so critical because this is a recording that's you know hopefully going to be around for a long time. And so I start to hear every little thing that I, you know, and sometimes I hear things that I like, but lots of times I hear things that I don't like, you know, like I don't like the way my voice sounds there, or I don't like the way I played the guitar part there. And, and so that part gets real hard now, but once that part is over and to your point, when I get to bring in the other musicians and we get to add to my song and, uh, 
That I love that. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorite things uh, because then sort of the pressure is off me and I get to relax and I just get to listen to these great musicians or great other singers at their parts and really help bring my songs to life. So, so I have a big, it's a big love hate relationship with the studio. <laughs> I, I I understand that 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 goes on with with my writing and with my art and sometimes with my photography because we are our own worst critics and sometimes it gets to the point where we just have to say okay nothing in this world is perfect but this is as close as it gets and i'm moving on from it because the more i keep messing with it the worse it gets that's that's very true that's very true and very accurate yes i can't tell you the stories i've started over the paintings i've started over and the photos that i've completely demolished because I kept screwing around with it instead of just stopping and walking away from it kept screwing around with it and messed it up so bad there was no fixing it right right that's right and the voices in my head saying. are yeah and the voices in my head are going uh-huh stupid if you'd have just listened to us we wouldn't be doing this yet again right um that's exactly right yeah so, like I said, so yeah, so it's a, it's a love hate relationship, and and the other thing that's interesting is usually, um, and I think this is this is true for a lot of artists, not just me, but right when I finish a recording, like right when I finally finish with a CD and I put it out, it's sort of hard for me to listen to. Like I said, I'm so critical. I hear the things that bother me, but if I go back, say like if I don't listen to a CD for a couple of years and so then I go back and listen to it and then I'll be like, Oh, actually that's pretty good. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's better than I remember it. Mm, yep, and I yep. think a little distance really helps uh, to, you know, uh, appreciate, appreciate what you created. Cause we get so embedded in our, sometimes we can't get out of our own way and we get so yeah. embedded in what we're doing. We think we're listening to it through the ears or the eyes or, of a, or the voice of our worst critic, and we forget yeah. that our worst critic is us. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so I, I can understand your love-hate relationship with a recording studio because it, it brings out the best in us, but if we allow it to then it will bring out the worst and it's not because the art is is bad but because sometimes i think we imagine things that aren't there because we are our own worst critic it's true yeah and i can't tell you how many times like well i'll be i have uh the person that i've worked with on these last four cds um his name's kevin butler he's a producer in austin and i've known him forever he's also a good friend and um and, you know, I can't tell you how many times I'll be like, oh, my God, listen to that. Doesn't that bother you? And he's like, I would never have, a, you know, he's like, I would never have even thought about that. You know, so you're right. Like what we hear is not what, what other people hear a lot of the time. So, you know, what I would do, what you might think about doing is don't listen to it as soon as you finish it. Just walk away from it for a while and then come back to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to listen to it a lot until it's done to make sure it's done as well as it can be. But you're right. But the second, like, I totally finish it, then I need to, like, not listen to it for, like, a year. Yeah, just walk away. <laughs> just say, okay, I, right. 
I'm not listening to you. I'm walking away now. Just we don't want to do this because you know what happens is is we listen to it so much or we read it so much, and I find this within myself that we pick up things that aren't there. We imagine things that aren't there, and we don't listen to it like listening to a clear bell it's all muddied by the time we get through running it through our brain a dozen different times because the brain's still rewinding from way back when and we're trying to listen to it again and it becomes mush right yeah that's exactly right so you have been on australian television Yes, I have. You didn't know I knew that, did you? I did not know you knew that. That's why I'm laughing. It sort of threw me when you when you said that. But that's, that's right. We, I have been. That's why we call this off the chain. That's right. That's why I forewarned you before this show. I find out things about people. That's right. I, I'm sort of curious to know how you learned that, and then I sort of don't want to know. But uh, Well, if I tell you, then I have to kill you, and, you know, I'm just – I'm not in the mood to clean up blood tonight or, or make a trip to Chicago to take you to a pig farm, so we'll just yeah, say – I... Neither one of us really want that, so we'll just so, leave it be. But, so, uh, so tell me about it. It was great. It was great. It was a guy, um, He uh, also an artist who has a TV show over there. His name is Kerrigan LeBroy. And, um, and so I performed a couple songs, and uh, just me and the guitar. And he's, he's just a wonderful person. He's so positive and upbeat and a fun host. And, um, and luckily, he liked my music, and so he had me on the show. And... Uh, uh, we talked about doing it again, so I need to uh, I need to get back on that. But yeah, but it was really fun and a great experience. Um, and I think his show's pretty popular, from what I understand. It's getting it's, you know like over a million viewers um, typically, and so uh, it was very helpful that way too. And see, the thing is, John, this also helps you on this show because. Of the 33 countries we're heard in, Australia and New Zealand are two of those countries. Oh, fantastic. So when they listen to the show over there, they go, oh, well, I must go find this TV show. So tell the folks what the name of the show was and maybe where they can find it. It's it's uh, Gethsemane TV, it's called. And his name is Kerrigan LeBroy. And... Um, I, you know, I, I, this is the best way to do it, I think, because I'm not sure. It's hard for me to explain the link to the show over the phone or, and over the radio. But if you go on my Facebook page and you scroll down, you'll see um, one of the posts where I advertise that I'm on this show, and you'll see the link to click on it. So, um, and my Facebook page is John McDonough. And um, and so that's probably the easiest way to find the show in Australia. But it's called Gethsemane TV with Kerrigan LeBroy. Also, I guess you could probably just Google that and you'd find it easier that way too. See, people don't know how how famous you are becoming. Well, 
<laughs> that might be true. I've had some really cool and fun experiences with this. Um, I, you know, my latest CD that came out in March is an acoustic CD of uh, pre-recorded songs that I wanted to re-record for different reasons. But um, and so, uh, I, and I just I'm I was a little nervous doing just an acoustic CD for what we talked about earlier. You know, there's just not much room to hide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was very strict. It's just two acoustic guitars, uh, me singing with a backup singer and a string section. And uh, it's got 10 songs from previous releases. And uh, I just, I'm so proud of it because it came out so much better than I'd hoped for. And, um, and people have really responded to it. It's called Second Chances. It's my, and it came out in March of this year. And uh, I've just had some fun things with it. For example, um, it actually charted on iTunes really high in South Africa. <laughs> We're listening to sure in South Africa happened. too. <laughs> yeah. But I so I got this report and it said my CD was like number three on the iTunes chart in South Africa, and Justin Bieber was number four, and <laughs> you know wow. some other names. And I was laughing because I'm like, I wonder if Justin Bieber is looking at this, going, "Who the hell is this John McDonough?" Right? And, but, and um, see, we're heard in South Africa too. Oh, awesome! So yeah, so I've had some really fun and exciting experiences with the CD, like like that, or like being on TV in Australia. Um, or I had a music video that I made that got chosen um, and uh, for a. Uh, um, a movie festival in Turkey. So, wow, we're heard in Turkey so, as yeah. well. So, so yeah, so I mean, and I just, I just love when that stuff happens. I just, you know, it's just, uh, it's really cool and it's really fun. So I uh, thank you to everyone out there who has listened to it and played it and uh, watched my videos because it's just, it's, uh, it's really fun to have those experiences. Well, we are we are in our five minute mark. Believe it or not, we're almost to the end of our show. If you can believe that, uh, it's gone so fast, hasn't it? That's what everybody says because we have so much fun on this show. But what? It's true. But, <laughs> because we never know what's going to happen. But what? What I want to tell you is when this show goes up into archives. I, I am following you on your Facebook page. I'm going to put the link on that page, and I want you to spread this show everywhere because this is your show, and you use it for your marketing purposes. You use it uh-huh. to promote yourself. It's my gift to you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. You are so and, welcome. Uh, and I, yes, will, I will do that. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, he has agreed to come back. We will get him back after the first of the year. Now, do you want me to set it up through uh, Michael Stover or you directly? Um, I think, yeah, set it up uh, directly with me. Okay. That's probably the easiest way at this point. Yes. And obviously we both have each other's information, and so let's do that. And the other thing I wanted to say is do you ever have – you know, when I'm on tour, and if I'm ever in Florida, I would love to meet you and do, you know, maybe a live show together or something. So I don't know that if you ever do fun. that. Yes, but I would. That. that would be really fun, and I love that. So, you, so I will. You keep, have to let me know when you. You have to let me know when you're headed in this direction. I will. Because I because I can I, I can do. People. I love doing live shows. I I have a ball Great. doing live shows. They they are so much fun, and. We can run it for up to two hours if you want to. It's 
it's up to me how long I want to run the show. Oh, that's fantastic. And it's so much fun. I love meeting people that I've talked to, you know, like on Zoom or on the phone. I love meeting people face-to-face. So we'll definitely do that. Oh, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, go and check John McDonough. Don't do it now. The show's not yet over. Don't don't even <laughs> think about leaving right now. No. Mm-mm. You know I'll find out, and then you know what happens. But go and check him out. Follow him on Facebook. Follow him on YouTube. He's got some great YouTube videos out there. Find his his website and go and download his music because this is the only way that indie artists have the opportunity to be heard. And, John, I'm going to tell you, like I told Matt Weston, like I told Richard Lynch, like I told Jamie Parsons, this time next year, I'm going to see you winning awards and in the top of the charts all across the board. It happens. I will. I would love that. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you for those nice words. And uh, I, and I, I, um, I can't wait to see you again. Well, I hope you had as much fun as I did. I did. I definitely <laughs> did. And I hope your sides are not too sore from laughing at my hysterical conversation. No, they are not. And like I said, I know there's many, many more stories to hear. So I'm already looking forward to the next time we chat. We will get, I will get you on the books right after the silly season. For some people, that is Christmas. For me, it's the silly season because to me, I don't like Christmas. I do Halloween year round. That's my, that's my go-to holiday. Go figure, right? That sounds great. That sounds great, <laughs> yes. So, John, thank you so much, my dear. I, it, it's been a pleasure. You are an absolute joy. And when you see that little niece of yours, tell her that that her song, You Don't Know This, is going to run to the right to the top of the charts. I will tell her that. Thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will not be on the air next Monday and Tuesday. I will be in Wichita, Kansas. Yes, I know, but I have to go to Wichita for a week. But we will be back on the 27th with Larry J at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And we will be on the air at 8 o'clock Eastern Time with Louise Kepi on the 28th. So join us. Take a week off. But don't forget to come back the next week on the 27th. John, I will be sending you that link probably tomorrow. Thank you again, my dear, for spending an hour. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. I had a blast. Thank you again. You are quite welcome. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest music artist, John McDonough, who for some reason left Austin and went to Chicago. Chicago, bless his heart, um, but only because of his niece. We're going to go with that story. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we will see you all in two weeks. Good night, John, my friend. Can't wait to talk to you again. <laughs> you too. Thank you. Good night. Good night, darling.